This is Space Time Series 26, Episode 112, for broadcast on the 18th of September 2023. Coming up on Space Time, finding the nearest black holes to Earth, discovery of one black hole that's slowly devouring a sun-like star, and the newly discovered comets swinging through the hood. All that and more coming up on Space Time. Welcome to Space Time with Stuart Gary. Astronomers searching for black holes near the Earth have discovered what appears to be a seething nest of them in the Hyades star cluster, just 153 light-years away. The findings, reported in the Journal of the Monthly Notices of the Royal Astronomical Society, suggest that there are several black holes in this roughly spherical group of hundreds of stars located in the constellation Taurus the Bull. The stars of the Hyades open cluster appear to have all been formed in the same molecular gas and dust cloud at the same time. They share the same age, the same chemical characteristics, and a common motion through space. So the idea that some have already collapsed to form black holes shouldn't be surprising. Since their discovery, black holes have been one of the most mysterious and fascinating phenomena in the universe, and they've become the object of study by researchers all over the world. And this is especially true for stellar-mass black holes, which were the first to be confirmed using gravitational waves. In fact, since the detection of the first gravitational waves in 2015, experts have observed many events that correspond to mergers of what must be low-mass black hole binary pairs. Now, for this study, astrophysicists use simulations that track the motions and evolution of all the stars in the Hyades, reproducing their current trajectories and state. The simulations were then compared with the actual masses, positions and velocities of the stars in the Hyades, which are precisely known thanks to observations made by the European Space Agency's Gaia satellite. The study's lead author, Stefano Torriamenti from the University of Padua, says the only way the simulations could reproduce the exact observations of the orbits and motions of the stars in the real Hyades was if a number of stellar-mass black holes were also present within the cluster. He says the observed properties of the Hyades are best reproduced by simulations where there are two or three black holes present at the very centre. Although simulations where all the black holes had been ejected from the Hades within the last 150 million years or so, roughly the last quarter of the cluster's overall age, could also still provide a good match. That's because the current evolution of the cluster could not erase the traces of this previous black hole population. What the results suggest is that the Hades-born black holes are either still inside the cluster or they're very close to the cluster. Either way, at 153 light-years, it makes them the nearest black holes to Earth. Now, previously, the nearest black hole was Gaia BH1. That was located some 1,565 light-years away. Of course, there could be other black holes even closer. Rogue ones travelling through interstellar space, which aren't affecting any surrounding material and are consequently invisible and unseen. This space-time. Still to come, discovery of a black hole devouring a sun-like star, 
and the newly discovered comet swinging through the hood. All that and more still to come on Space Time. Now, while we're on the subject of black holes, astronomers using NASA's Swift Space Telescope have discovered a black hole that's repeatedly consuming a sun-like star, ripping it to pieces bit by bit on every orbit. The discovery, reported in the journal Nature, is heralding a new era of Swift science, made possible thanks to a novel new method of analysing data from the Earth-orbiting X-ray observatory. When a star strays too close to a black hole, gravitational forces create intense tides that can break the star apart, tearing bits off it in a stream of gas. The leading edge of the stream swings around the black hole while the trailing edge escapes the system. These destructive episodes are known as tidal disruption events. Astronomers see them as flares of multi-wavelength light created when the stellar debris collides onto an accretion disk of material already orbiting around the black hole. And recently, astronomers have been investigating variations of this phenomena, which they're calling partial or repeating tidal disruptions. During these events, every time an orbiting star passes too close to a black hole, the star bulges outwards and sheds material, but not enough to destroy it so some remnants of the star still survives. And the process repeats over and over again on each orbit. Eventually, the star will lose so much material, it'll break apart and disappear forever into the black hole. Characteristics of the individual star and black hole binary system determine what kind of emission scientists observe, and that's creating a wide array of behaviours to categorise. Now, previous examples have included an outburst that occurred every 114 Earth days, potentially caused by a giant star orbiting a black hole with some 78 million times the mass of our Sun. Yet another flared up every nine hours around a black hole, some 400,000 times the Sun's mass, and that was likely caused by an orbiting stellar corpse known as a white dwarf. This latest discovery occurred on June the 22nd last year. Swift captured what appears to be a tidal disruption event involving a system that's been catalogued as Swift J023017.0 plus 283603. A report in the journal Nature Astronomy describes the system as around 500 million light years away in the northern constellation Triangulum. As the X-ray observatory watched, nine additional outbursts from the same location were observed roughly every few weeks. The study's lead author, Phil Evans, from the University of Leicestershire, says the event marks the repeating tidal disruption of a sun-like star orbiting a black hole with over 200,000 times the sun's mass. Evans and colleagues are estimating the doomed star is losing about three Earth masses of material on each pass. This system provides a bridge between other types of suspected repeating disruptions and it allows scientists to model how interactions between different star types and different black hole sizes affect what's being observed. The discovery was only made possible thanks to a new automated search of X-ray telescope observations developed by Evans and called the Swift X-ray Transient Detector. 
After the telescope observes a portion of the sky, the data is transmitted directly to the ground and the program then compares it to previous swift snapshots of the same location. If that portion of the X-ray sky is changed, astronomers get an alert. This report from NASA TV. Astronomers spotted a black hole repeatedly munching on a sunlight star thanks to NASA's SWIFT satellite. When a star gets too close to a black hole, gravitational forces cause it to bulge and break apart into a stream of gas. This is a tidal disruption event. In some cases, scientists see what they call repeating tidal disruptions. That's what's happening here with an outburst called Swift J0230. The sunlight star orbits a monster black hole. Every few weeks, the star gets so close that the black hole pulls off about three Earth masses of material. But the star survives. Astronomers saw it in a distant galaxy thanks to a new way to analyze data from Swift's X-ray telescope. They developed a new way of scanning the instrument's observations so that they can quickly identify and study events like these. After nearly two decades in space, SWIFT is still learning new tricks and teaching us new things about our cosmos. This Space Time. Still to come, a newly discovered comet swinging through our neighborhood. And later in the science report... Physicists have for the first time detected oxygen 28. All that and more still to come on Space Time. Astronomers have discovered a new comet swinging through our cosmic neighbourhood for the first time in 437 years. The kilometre-wide comet's just made its closest approach to Earth, passing 125 million kilometres away from the planet. The rare green comet, named C2023P1 Nishimura, was discovered last month by Japanese amateur astronomer Hendo Nishimura. Now, our Northern Hemisphere listeners should be able to see the comet about 90 minutes before dawn if they look towards the northeast just above the horizon in the direction of the constellation Leo. Although visible to the unaided eye, the comet is extremely faint, so it's best to make sure you're well away from a built-up, lit-up area. Of course, it brightened quickly as it moved closer to the Sun, and it's now at perihelion, passing well inside the orbit of Mercury and just 33 million kilometres away from the Sun's visible surface. But this trajectory means it's dipping lower in the sky, making it harder to spot. Now, if it survives its close encounter with the Sun, and that's a big if, it should become visible for our Southern Hemisphere listeners sometime over the next week or so, again sitting very low on the horizon in the evening twilight right near the setting Sun. This comet last visited our neighbourhood 437 years ago. And when you think about it, that was a decade or two before Galileo first invented his telescope. This is Space Time. And time now to take a brief look at some of the other stories making news in science this week with the Science Report. 
Now, if you want to be green and save the planet, here's an easy solution. Scientists have found that by simply replacing half of all animal products humans eat with plant-based alternatives, you could reduce agricultural and land-use greenhouse gas emissions by 31% by 2050. The findings, reported in the journal Nature, model the impact of halving the amount of pork, chicken, beef and milk produced and replacing it with a range of ingredients that could be used to make substitutes of similar nutritional value. And no, that doesn't mean eating bugs. The researchers found that not only would this reduce the industry's emissions by a third, it would almost completely stop the overall reduction of forests and natural land. The authors say that restoring the land no longer needed for animal agriculture to its natural state would double the benefits to the climate. A new study claims managing your blood pressure could help reduce your risk of dementia. The findings reported in the Journal of the American Medical Association combined the results of 17 studies and potential links between dementia, blood pressure and blood pressure medications. The researchers found overall untreated high blood pressure was associated with a higher risk of dementia than those who were treating their blood pressure with appropriate medication. And it found those who treated their high blood pressure with medication had no greater risk of dementia than those with healthy blood pressure levels. Physicists have for the first time detected oxygen-28, an isotope of oxygen that has 12 extra neutrons packed into its nucleus. Scientists have long predicted that this isotope existed because it should be unusually stable. But initial observations of the oxygen-28 nucleus suggest this isn't the case. Instead, they found that it decays rapidly after creation. A report in the journal Nature suggests that if the results can be replicated, physicists might be able to update theories on how atomic nuclei are structured. Key to the findings is the strong nuclear force. It's one of the four fundamental interactions of nature, together with the weak nuclear force, the electromagnetic force and gravity. The strong nuclear force acts between subatomic particles of matter. The strong nuclear force in the form of gluons binds quarks together in clusters to make more familiar subatomic particles such as protons and neutrons. Current hypotheses suggest that atomic nuclei with certain so-called magic numbers of protons and neutrons are inherently stable because protons and neutrons fill up shells in the nucleus. You see, when a shell is filled with just the right numbers of protons and neutrons, it becomes far more difficult to add or take away particles. Now, these magic numbers include 2, 8, 20, 28, 50, 82 and 126 particles. And it becomes doubly magic and therefore even more stable if the nucleus has a magic number of both neutrons and protons. The most abundant form of oxygen is oxygen-16, which is doubly magic because it has 8 protons and 8 neutrons. And oxygen-28, which has 8 protons and 20 neutrons, has long been predicted to also be doubly magic. But physicists haven't been able to detect it, at least not until now. Observing oxygen-28 required intense streams of radioactive calcium-48 isotopes being fired into a beryllium target. That created a fluorine-29 isotope. Now, the nucleus of this isotope has one more proton than does oxygen-28 but it has the same number of neutrons. Scientists next smashed the fluorine-29 isotope with a thick barrier of liquid hydrogen. That knocked a proton out of the nucleus, and the result was the production of oxygen-28. 
Well, as ChatGPT becomes more and more lifelike, the level of anthropomorphizing humans attribute to these artificial intelligence programs keeps increasing. That's now starting to raise some serious questions among laymen about the consciousness of these programs, and for that matter, what consciousness itself really is. After all, exactly how are human thinking processes, and for that matter, sentience in any high-level animal, any different from a sophisticated AI program? Short of introducing non-scientific terms like spirit or soul, the definition starts to become more and more blurry. And as AI gets smarter, some people are starting to question, others claim, that it can even read minds. But to get us back onto a level playing field is Tim Mendham from Australian Skeptics, who points out that the opening premise is wrong in the first place. That's because there is no scientific evidence that supports the idea of telepathy. It's a machine. It's a machine sort of in the metaphorical sense, but it's, yeah, it's computer programs collecting data and using certain algorithms to give you the response that is the most likely effective one based on a lot of experience of how people react. Now, this is actually something that will be for the development of AI. And just as one example, magicians have been doing centuries or so. You know, when you ask someone to think of a number between 1 and 10, the numbers that crop up are most often are seven and eight. That's just the way people think. And you, if you bet on seven and eight, you're going to get your money back, okay? So the people think in certain ways, and therefore there are algorithms to pick up on this, which sound impressive when someone says, I'm thinking of a number between one and 10, and the AI tells you probably what the number you chose, if you're an ordinary person, and you go, well, you must know a lot, AI. No, it doesn't. It's just sort of following certain algorithms and things. The suggestion that it goes beyond that, and it has thinking abilities and reasonable abilities, and now telepathic abilities, Abilities, which is sort of weird. Um, step, but let's face it. Well, yeah, I know. But yeah, the examples of someone who's sort of influenced by AI is not telepathic. That's just the poor person with a with a yeah, with a psychopathology issue who sort of has obviously issues that the computer is just innocently playing on in a way. Although it's it's using the algorithms to tell you what you want to see, which is the same way that every online shop uses these algorithms to offer you things you might want to buy. Well, that's um, exactly what's happening? Yeah, yeah, it's exactly what's happening. I mean. I keep, you know, my computer keeps getting the same ads popping up because of things I'm interested in. And so this was, I think, someone who's just an AI expert who was toying around with the idea. He has an interest in parapsychology as well. He understands that most parapsychology is, is unfortunately the results they put up are junk because they've got so many issues with how they carry out their investigations of telepathy. Now, thinking that a machine can do it is even a long way away from that. People can't even do it, certainly not under scientific conditions. And it's certainly anthropomorphizing a digital program. It is. I mean, that's what people are seeing it. I and mean, that's what you hear about people referring to AI as if it exists by itself. It is a thing out there, you know, creating havoc. I'll be back. Or doing you a service, like a little sort of valet, ask Jeeves in a way, but it's not. It's, it, it's a purely based on search results, you know, standard sort of programming, sophisticated, obviously, but it's, you know, algorithms and things that, that understands what people react to. And what, what they have you done in the past. Siri doesn't really love me. Hello, sexy. What can I help you with? <laughs> I definitely, I don't have Siri. I have Google, Miss Google, which I like to have arguments with her. Miss Google. Because I know she works for the so CIA. Hasta la vista, baby. But uh, you, you can sort of swear at it and she gets, oh, sorry. She <laughs> apologizes, which I think is wonderful. That's Tim Mendham from Australian Skeptics. That's the show for now. 
Space Time is available every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday through Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, Acast, Amazon Music, Bytes.com, SoundCloud, YouTube, your favorite podcast download provider, and from SpaceTimeWithStuartGary.com. Space Time's also broadcast through the National Science Foundation on Science Zone Radio and on both iHeartRadio and TuneIn Radio. And you can help to support our show by visiting the Spacetime store for a range of promotional merchandising goodies. Or by becoming a Spacetime patron, which gives you access to triple episode commercial free versions of the show, as well as lots of bonus audio content which doesn't go to air, access to our exclusive Facebook group and other rewards. Just go to spacetimewithstuartgary.com for full details. And if you want more space time, please check out our blog, where you'll find all the stuff we couldn't fit in the show, as well as heaps of images, news stories, loads of videos, and things on the web I find interesting or amusing. Just go to spacetimewithstuartgary.tumblr.com. That's all one word, and that's Tumblr without the E. You can also follow us through at StuartGary on Twitter, at SpacetimeWithStuartGary on Instagram, through our Spacetime YouTube channel. And on Facebook, just go to facebook.com forward slash Spacetime with Stuart Gary. And Spacetime is brought to you in collaboration with Australian Sky and Telescope magazine, your window on the universe. You've been listening to Spacetime with Stuart Gary. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com. 